with you this morning and, and thankful we could gather together. It's going to be a little bit of a uh, amended service as far as the timeline goes. We've uh, cut the song service a little short. I'm going to try to cut the message a little short. Um, we will uh, have a baptism and we will uh, rejoice together. So if you have your Bibles, I want to look at Matthew 28, 18. Very familiar passage. Matthew 28, 18. So the, the plan this morning is to, uh, upon Lily's profession of faith, to baptize her. And so I want to look uh, for a few minutes this morning on, uh, number one, why do we do this? Number two, what exactly are we doing? So Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, it says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you alway, even unto the end of the world. Amen. So this morning, we... Uh, we seek to continue to carry out the command that Christ gave to His church approximately 2,000 years ago. That is, that we teach. And when someone makes a profession of faith, we baptize. And then we turn around and we keep on teaching. Now this is not the first time you've heard me say this, but according to the Great Commission, the church's marching orders are to evangelize, to baptize, and then to disciple. And it's an amazing testament, really, to the faithfulness of Jesus Christ to build His church. Every single time we have someone who is ready to profess faith in Him. And so we do this through baptism because we're commanded to do this through baptism as far as baptism being a symbol. And we'll talk about that in just a minute. It's really the, uh, the first step of obedience for any follower of Jesus Christ. One who's come to believe by faith. That Jesus Christ is the Son of God, the one who has washed their sins, the one whose righteousness has become their own. But I want to think for a few minutes this morning about uh, what is actually happening. What, what is baptism? What does it mean? What is someone saying or professing when they're baptized. So I want to think four categories. I think categorically this covers, there's, there could be more details said, but categorically I think this covers what we're saying. So baptism is a public profession that, uh, number one, baptism is a public profession that I am identifying with Jesus Christ. I am identifying with Jesus Christ. Look in Romans chapter 6. 
Romans chapter 6. Uh, I want to start in verse 3. It says, Know you not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into His death? Therefore we are buried with Him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of His death, we shall be also in the likeness of His resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with Him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. There's a personal identifying with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's one thing to know the Gospel message. It's one thing to know the details. It's one thing to say, yes, I believe historically there was a man named Jesus and he died on a cross. It's another thing to say, when he died... I died with Him. When He was raised, I'm now raised to newness of life with Him. There's a personal identifying with Jesus Christ that's being professed. It's not just saying that I believe in an abstract way the the, the wooden details of what make up the Gospel, it's professing that I believe that I was always and I have been made to know now that whenever Christ was doing the work that He was doing, I was in Him. And now He is in me. I've come to know Him. Notice the language in, in Romans 6.3. And this is, this is really in response to the question out of verse 1. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Well, God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? And then here's His, here's his argument. Do you not know or know you not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into His death. Therefore, we are buried with Him by baptism unto death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. You know, there's a, there's a reason why, both from just the... Uh, the, the, the meaning of the word, but also the theological significance that this morning we're, we're not going to sprinkle Lily and we're not going to pour water over Lily's head, but we are going to immerse her. Part of that is we are publicly showing, demonstrating through baptism aside from the fact that the word means to immerse, we're, so, we're showing a picture of a profession that I believe that I have been buried with Christ 
and raised again to newness of life. In other words, I'm identifying with Him. I'm identifying with His work on my behalf. Paul would say it again in Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2. In verse 20, when he says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh... I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. When, When He hung on that cross, I was in Him. When He paid the ransom for sin, I was part of that. But he goes on, not just to say that he was crucified with Christ. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. There's a declaration that Paul's making. My flesh has been crucified with Christ. But now Christ lives in me. Again, identifying with Christ. I've been united to Him. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God. I'm following Him. I'm identifying with Him. Faith in what? Well, we could... come up with a lot, particularly from the text, faith that He loves me. He loves me. I am identifying with Jesus Christ and I am holding on to this reality that He loves me, that He gave Himself for me. It's this 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 reality that if any man is in Christ... He is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are become new. There was one point in my life I did not identify with Christ. I did not identify as being one of the ones whom He died for. But when I made a public profession of faith and I went into the waters of baptism, both from a picture standpoint, but also from a profession of faith, I was professing that I've been made a new creature in Christ. He has done for me what I could not have ever done for myself.
I'm identifying with Him. I'm a follower of Christ now. The old life that I lived, I'm leaving behind. And we'll talk a little more about what that means in a minute. But I am now yoked together with Christ. Okay, so it's a public profession that I'm identifying with Christ. Number two, and this is closely knit to that, but it is different. Number two, it's a public profession that I am trusting in Christ. I'm trusting in Christ. First Peter chapter three. As it relates to baptism in verse 21, Peter says the like figure that is he's referring back to Noah and the eight souls that were saved by water. The like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. See, baptism is a, is a type or it's a symbol. Peter's clear about this. The washing that occurs in the baptistry is a symbolic washing. We aren't actually washing anything away. There is no atonement for sin that's being made in the baptistry. This is not the washing of the filth of the flesh, but it is the answer of a good conscience toward God. The answer of a good conscience toward God. What is that? How is it that our conscience can be good? What is the answer of a good conscience toward God? Well, we know that we cannot have a clear conscience before God by bringing Him all the good things that we've done. We can't have a good conscience, a clean conscience, a clear conscience toward God by bringing Him our track record of just how consistent we've been. Reading Scripture, coming to church, trying to serve folks, trying to do things that are right, so forth and so on. The answer of a good conscience before God is the righteousness of Jesus Christ. I'm trusting that. I'm looking to Him. Romans chapter 3, verse 20 one of the areas or one of the passages that gets us there. Romans chapter 3, verse 20. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all that believe. For there is no difference. Paul says, by the deeds of the law, that is the, the law of God, 
by our own works of righteousness, he says there will be no one justified before God. You know, we are thankful this morning and every single time someone makes a profession of faith. But what we're celebrating this morning is the faithfulness of God and the righteousness of Christ. By the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in His sight. Because by the law is the knowledge of sin. But God has manifested this righteousness that comes without the law. How? Through faith in Christ. It's the 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 that He who knew no sin was made sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. What is it that we're trusting as we look to Christ? Well, number one, we're, we're believing what God has said about His own Son. That is, Jesus Christ is the incarnate Son of God. He's the God-man. Number two, we're trusting that Christ has paid the penalty for my sin. That He's broken the power of sin over me. And that one day He will eliminate the presence of sin in my life when I'm fully united to Him in glory. Really what we're believing there is Romans 8.1. There is no condemnation. There is now no condemnation to all those who are in Christ. So, that my past, present, and future sin has all been atoned for through the blood of Jesus Christ. Secondly, we're trusting that we've been clothed with the righteousness of Christ. That we're accepted by God based on the same merit that Jesus Christ is. Isn't that something? What we're saying is that in order for God the Father to be dissatisfied with me, with the one who's looking to Christ in faith, in order for God the Father to become dissatisfied with them, He must first become dissatisfied with His Son. It's impossible. Brothers and sisters, we go into the waters of baptism to make a public profession of faith that Jesus Christ is the answer, the covering for all my sin. And the blood of Jesus Christ that has covered me is my righteousness that I come before God in. So that on your worst day and on your best day you have equal access to God the Father through His Son Jesus Christ. We're making a public profession that we are putting all of our eggs in that basket in Jesus Christ and in Christ alone. 
So number one, baptism, we're making a public profession that we are identifying with Christ, that whenever he died, I died with him when he was raised uh, or because he was raised, I am now raised to newness of life in him. Secondly, I'm making a public profession of faith that I'm trusting him and him alone for my salvation, for my justification, for my sanctification, for my salvation. Number three, we go into the waters of baptism. We're making a public profession that we are not only identifying with Christ, but we are joining ourselves to the body of Christ. Look in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm just going to read verses 12 and 13. It says, For as the body is one and as many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. Now, when I say that as we're that we're making a public profession of faith that we're joining ourselves to the body of Christ here's the reality in God's plan of redemption you do not separate the head from the body Now here's what I mean by that you aren't looking to the body for any righteousness you aren't looking to the body for your standing before God. But you are acknowledging what we've said as far as the summary out of Ephesians 1, 2, and 3 time and time again, that if I've been united to Christ and you've been united to Christ, then we've also been united to one another. Christ did not just redeem a bunch of individuals as individuals to remain individuals. Christ is building His church and He redeemed His body. Acts chapter 2, 41 through 42 makes it clear that after the 3,000 were baptized, they were added to the number. Okay, These aren't one and the same, but one does follow the other. While we profess faith as an individual, we do not live the Christian life in isolation. We commit ourselves... This is what you see in Scripture. 
we commit ourselves to a group of believers where we grow through corporate worship and through serving and being served by one another, it is impossible to grow in Christ's likeness all by yourself. All who profess faith in Christ have been adopted as a family member of God the Father. Okay? According to Ephesians 1.5, we were predestined to be adopted through Christ into the family of God, sons of God. Okay, this is bigger than just an individual. All who profess faith in Christ have become a member of the body of Christ according to 1 Corinthians 12.27, where he says, Now ye, you all are the body of Christ and members in particular. And then all who profess faith in Christ, according to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, and Ephesians chapter 2, verse 22, have become a living stone that the Holy Spirit is using to build a house for habitation by God. Okay, the spiritual temple. And again, here's the point. If we've been united to Christ, we've been united to one another. And if we're going to commit ourselves to following Christ, then we must do that in the context of His body. So number one, I'm identifying with Him Number two, I'm trusting Him. Number three, I'm joining myself to His body. And by the way, that's not just joining yourself to one local body for the rest of your life. It means I'm going to prioritize the body of Christ in God's providence wherever He has me. For Lily right now, that's here at Ripley Primitive Baptist Church. But the, the commitment is this, that if in God's providence I end up going somewhere else, the body is going to be a priority for me. Because I've been joined to the body. Because I'm joined to Christ. Number four. This is the last one. This is a public profession that not only am I, not, am I identifying with Christ, not only am I trusting in Christ, not only am I joining, committing myself to the body of Christ, but, but I'm also committing to live a life that fights to grow in Christ. If I'm going to be a follower of Him, then I must be growing in Him. Romans chapter 6, verse 6, says that whenever Christ was crucified, we were crucified with Him, or we died with Him. The same reality we talked about earlier, that I was crucified with Christ. The old man has been put to death. 
But there's a corresponding reality to that. In Luke chapter 9, Luke chapter 9, verse 23, this is what Jesus says. He said to them all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. You can say it this way. If any man will come after me, let him continually deny himself, take up his cross daily and continually follow me. And what's the point? The point is that while it is true, Romans chapter 6, verse 6, while it is true that when Christ died, you died with Him, that the Christian life is spent growing in that reality. It's not passive. You will have to spend every day of your life choosing to deny yourself to crucify the flesh, and to follow Christ. It's a fight. It's something you grow in. Romans chapter 6, verse 4 says that we were raised to life with Christ. But then Romans 6, 12-14 makes it clear that we have to fight to live our lives to the glory of God. Really, it's a, it's, a, it's a lifetime of living out John chapter 3, verse 10, when John the Baptist said, He must increase and I must decrease. It's a life of mortifying or putting sin to death. What this means is you must pursue God's priorities for your life and sacrifice any commitment that would require you to neglect what God would have you to pursue and to maintain. We're going to talk this afternoon about growth, and we'll give some more details there. But for now, I just want to encourage you that if you're going to grow, then you're going to have to be committed to what you've heard commonly called the four B's. The four B's. If you're going to grow, you're going to have to fight to be in prayer. You're going to have to fight to be in Scripture. You're going to have to fight to be in church. And you're going to have to fight to be in fellowship and accountability with your brothers and sisters. It's going to be easy to forget the reality that Jesus gives us in John chapter 15, verse 5. Without me, you can do nothing. But that's the truth. We need Him. Day by day. Hour by hour. Moment by moment. If we are going to grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ, then prayer is essential. 
We must commune with Him. We must spend time with Him. We must hear from Him in Scripture and have our minds renewed. You cannot leave these things up to chance. They must be intentional pursuits. And whatever would get in the way of you being in prayer, being in Scripture, being in church, and being in fellowship and accountability must be sacrificed in order for you to pursue what God would have you to pursue. And so as we get ready to hear Lily's testimony, I would just recap that what's being stated through this baptism this morning is a public profession that Lily is identifying with Christ, that she's trusting in Christ, that she's joining herself, committing herself to the body of Christ, and that she's committing to fight to grow in Christ. Now, if you're in the congregation and these things resonate with you, and you have not yet publicly professed faith in Christ and gone under the waters of baptism, then really the only question for you is, what are you waiting on? What is it that's keeping you from obeying what Christ has called all of His followers to do as far as taking the first step in following Him. That's something you ought to wrestle with if that's you. I would like for us to, uh, to pray and then when we finish... Lily, you'll come up and you'll give your testimony, okay? And then we will, uh, we will go from there. Let's pray. Father, we, uh, we, we thank You that You are still building Your church and that You're doing that in our midst, that You're blessing us to be part of that, to be able to see that as You are bringing sinners from death to life, and as You are drawing Your children to Yourself, bringing them to faith in Your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, we thank You that we can be witness to that uh, this morning. Thank You for Lily and for what You've done in her life, and I pray that You would bless her as she comes to, to give us a testimony of Your work in her life. Pray that she'd be able to do that knowing that she's uh, really bearing witness of your work in front of a bunch of folks who love her and who are thankful to hear about what you've done for her. And Father, I pray that uh, if there are any here who could identify with what we've talked about this morning in the message, who have withheld themselves from following you in baptism, that you would prick their hearts 
and that you would cause them to obey. We pray that we would rejoice this morning in the work you've done. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.